That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Alright everyone, welcome back to Bat Force Radio, a Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, we away for a couple of weeks. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and the beginning of December. Hope all is well and we're back in full effect. First, let me get the panel out of the way. I got uh, Robin Cross up in Canada. Howdy. I got Grandpa Batman over in Texas. Yellow. I got Robo Rich over in OCP land, Detroit. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Arkham Asylum LPC over in Dirty Jersey. Oh, hi, hi. I'm going to bring Robin in to bring our special guest for tonight in. So let's get it going. All right. Uh, I could spend an entire episode uh, just trying to cover the bibliography of tonight's guest. Uh, we're just going to scrap that idea. I'm just going to rifle off a few bullet points of things he's done. Uh, so if you look at your bookshelf as you're listening to this, you're probably going to find that you have about 10 to 20 books that this gentleman has has at least done some work on. Uh, the Batman Files, that giant black Batman book that's sitting on your shelf that weighs about 10 pounds. Uh, Batman <laughs> A Visual History, the DC Comics Visual History, the Arkham Universe Visual Guide, Catwoman's Nine Lives. Uh, he's done lots of Ninja Turtles work. Iron Man, Wolverine, and he's currently spearheading the Batman Ninja Turtles crossover from IDW and DC. Issue 2 is out this week. Uh, by the time you're going to be listening to this, uh, tonight's guest is Mr. Matthew Manning. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. The The first thing we usually like to uh, get into with people is just checking uh, how you're doing, how things are with you lately. Uh, things are good. Yeah, I've got uh, two little daughters, so we're just kind of getting ready for Christmas and uh, frantically shopping for Hatchimals and that kind of thing. Oh, my God. Are, 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 they, are, are they still at the uh, Santa Claus age where you're, you're doing the whole the whole Santa thing for them? Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh, we have that, and we have the the elf on the shelf thing. So it's just uh, oh, yeah. constant <laughs> trying to keep any kind of magic alive for as long as we can. Nice. At my house, now, we uh, don't have elf on the shelf. We have Batman on the divan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> have you found any Hatchimals? Uh, yeah, actually, we we've had good. We've I had good luck with that. My parents found one on Black Friday, and then we uh, we uh, found the I found the other one via a message board. So, Jeez. so I'm a little clueless. Is this like the new Tickle Me Elmo of 2016? Is that what's going uh, on? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's like that or the Furby craze. It's almost like a Furby, but it, it's a, it comes in an egg and they, uh, they hold it for a while until it hatches or they talk to it. I don't even know. And then, and then it hatches and then they they lose interest. So, <laughs> like crazy, but... so uh, you're, you're getting ready for the holidays, uh, meeting the gift deadlines. You're also meeting deadlines for this Batman Turtles book. Uh, how's your work coming along on that? Uh, it's good. I think I, I we should be done with the last issue. I just turned in a, a draft, so we'll see how many uh, changes it is it ha they might have for me. But um, 
unlike the normal comics, this has to be approved by IDW, uh, DC Comics, and Nickelodeon. Wow. So we have a lot oh, of man. notes, you know, to deal with. Although, pretty much the, the there's been there's been very light on the notes for almost the entire series. So mm. we're pretty lucky. There, there's something that. there's something I wanted to ask you about. I don't know how much you'll be able to talk about it. Now, recently we had uh, your uh, your compatriot on the book, uh, John Summerive, on here. By the way, had some horrible things to say about you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he recently uh, was pretty cryptic in a post saying that uh, there's some sort of news coming possibly regarding this title. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you can talk about yet. Um, I don't think we're officially allowed to talk about it, but I think I can tease that uh, there's going to be more than just five issues. So oh, I can't say exactly how that's going to what, what that's going to be, but uh, there's going to be a little there's some there's something else. So. Nice. <laughs> And we have a director's cut coming out soon, too, for issue one. I think that comes out in February. You know, I love those because I like to see, one, I like to see the raw pencils, but also like to read your script and how you you develop not just each page, but the overall plot and kind of the... It's almost like pulling back the veil a little bit to see how the magic's made. I, lo- I love those. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I used to read, like, scripts all the time from different guys. It's just to figure out what kind of format to use because there's no set format for writing scripts and comics. So I think the the one I use now is kind of like a combination of um, it's a Mark Wade script versus um, a script teacher I had in college, Jack C. Harris, who used to be an editor at uh, DC and uh, written a bit as well. And um, I think I'm trying to think. There's a third person who I can't remember. Oh, Scott McCloud. So I kind of use a little bit of all their scripts and kind of put it together to come up with the format I use, which is still kind of random. So, so speaking of writing and scripts and, and school and everything, um, take us on the journey, take us back to where it all started with your journey, being a writer and to this, you know, coming all the way to this point and whatnot. If you oh, sure. Uh, well, I got, I got, st- I got, I've always been interested in like comic strips and, uh, that's what I kind of first started with, with things like Calvin and Hobbes and peanuts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, and then when the uh, 89 Batman movie came out, I was in about fifth grade. And so that just ruined the rest of my life. I was just kind of like, I'm like, okay, that's it. It's just Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Then I became, so I got really interested in Batman. I got interested in Ninja Turtles about the same time too. And, uh, and you know, I was, I read some Marvel comics as well. I was inter- into Spider-Man a little bit, but it was pretty much Batman growing up for me. And I knew I wanted to write, and I originally wanted to write and draw comics. And then... I went to uh, art art college, uh, the School of Visual Arts in New York City, and once I majored in cartooning. And uh, problem, with, I kind of met a lot of actual artists at that point. Like I like to draw, but not I didn't have to draw all the time. But I, w- I was always telling stories, and I realized, oh, you know, I'm probably gonna I fit much better in as a writer. So, and once and I can I can draw pretty well when I look at something, but I'm not very as as good at drawing out of my head. And I just didn't stick with it long enough to, to see if I could do it in the end. And uh, so. When I was at uh, SVA, I started uh, uh, interning at DC Comics, and at that point, that's when DC was still in New York. And I kind of um, I interned under Dan Raspler and Tony Bedard, and they they were really um, kind to me. And I was there for the, the semester or whatever. And I asked if I could stay on another semester, and and they were surprised because no one had apparently ever asked to stay to intern for free for another semester. <laughs> so. I uh, I did that, and then I used my second semester to kind of pass around scripts and, and ideas like that. And at one point, I was passing a script out. Um, I was trying to give uh, Raspler one, uh, just this uh, kind of script I wrote with my own characters. And, and he's like, I don't have time to read a script. He's like, 
uh, send me a pitch for Justice League Adventures. And I was like, oh, that's much better. So I wrote up, I wrote up a pitch, and he hated that. And then <laughs> I, uh, I said, well, okay, I'll just write another one. And he was like, oh, all right. And so I wrote another pitch. He hated that one. And so I insisted on writing an, uh, doing another pitch for him, and I, and I did that one, and he liked that. So about a year later, uh, it took forever because they were having tons of different writers on Justice League Adventures. And I got a call uh, from, uh, I think, oh, Steve Wacker had taken over then. At that point, I think Tony had left for CrossGen. And Wacker was like, oh, yeah, I've been told I'm supposed to hire you for a script. He's like, who are you? Have we met? <laughs> so I had to kind of explain why I was getting a comic from him. And then he really liked my first issue. And I got a second issue. And then I just kept uh, plugging away after that. I would... Uh, I had friends that worked at DC and like in the production department, and still do actually some of them, and uh, and so I would I would come into DC to visit them, and then I would also um, DC never took away my pass uh, <laughs> because the person that <laughs> got me into the building or like when I first started I interviewed with Bob Greenberger, and Greenberger never actually took away my my pass away because he quit the company in the middle of it like. He's um, right when I got started. He he said, "Okay, come come to me every every week, and I'll give you you know uh, um, the bundle of comics that came out that week." And I'm like, "Oh, this is great! You know, this is good payment for <laughs> for interning." And then he quit like my third week there or something. So I got no more comps the rest of the time I was there. And uh, but the good thing was, <laughs> you know, he quit. He didn't. No one knew about my past or whatever. So I would just go into the building and just like you know go up to editors and keep talking to them all the time. And then uh, and I just you know kept uh, being persistent about it and. They would go. Um, there, used to, there was a traditional restaurant where people would eat a lot after uh, on like some Friday nights. They would have like a, a party sometimes, and I, my buddies in production, would call me about those, and I'd head over to those and talk to people. And I just ended up getting jobs that way by uh, just being someone that people saw, and I just didn't leave anybody alone. And then <laughs> I finally, um, I got Batman Strikes issues after that, and I was doing some Legion of the Thirty First Century um, comics, and at the same time. Um, a buddy of mine that used to work at Marvel, I mean, it, we used to work at a comic shop together when I was in college. He got a job at Marvel in the trade paperbacks department, so he introduced me to a lot of guys in that uh, editorial over there. And I got a couple Marvel gigs. I did Spider-Man Unlimited and like this Marvel romance uh, redux, like a comedy kind of co uh, comic they did. And then I just, uh, and then I started, he called me up one day and said, hey, they need, um, DK Publishing needs to update a book. Uh, for the Spider-Man guide, but I'm not allowed to, he's like, I wanted to write it, but I can't because I officially work for Marvel, and this is officially a different company, even though it's a Marvel property. So he said, would you be interested in doing that? And I was like, yeah. And so, and then after that, uh, DK just kept calling me and hiring me, and then I got, and like, uh, I think about 50 books later, I'm still writing them. So, <laughs> not all for wow. DK, lots of different uh, publishers. And you still have that pass for the building that's probably not even there. <laughs> you know, I don't think I do. they changed the uh, uh, security system uh, after uh, you know at the like nine eleven, but I think I was uh, I, I, yeah after like at the end I had to go in and make official appointments like you're normally supposed to do. <laughs> so I don't think I have that pass anymore anywhere. But, uh, I was amazed every time I go in there. I'm like, oh, it's still working. I can go in. That's awesome. <laughs> And the best part was no one asked any questions. No one was like, oh, who are you supposed to meet here? And I was like, ugh. You know, I didn't have to <laughs> cover up or anything. So, because people kind of recognized me from interning. And and then I'd have meetings. I'd, uh, there was so, several editors that uh, were very kind to me and took some interest in me. Like uh, Bob Shrek, when he was there, he he would um, set up lunch meetings or something where I could send him a pitch. Or, and then uh, then he could reject it a month later or something like that. But <laughs> So I just kind of got to know everybody that way. And uh, living in New York was a big help for that, but we've since moved. So <laughs> luckily I'm kind of established enough where I can email people and only see them like once or twice a year at conventions. 
and still beginning work, which is nice. So, wow. So, so like all the um, the the books that you put together, like one of my favorites right here is the the Batman file. Like you just you all this work mainly do from home, like the way you put it together and just um, interact with uh, editors and whatnot, like via internet or whatever. Is that the the work? Uh, yeah. I can't actually even remember the last time I talked to a comic book editor on the phone. Like, I used to get jobs by, like, calling people up and things, but I don't think anybody even does that anymore. <laughs> so yeah. it's mostly just, like, I'll get an email or something saying, hey, we, you know, we're doing this issue, or are you interested, or I, you know, I'll, like, normally with the book jobs, they'll, they contact me. I haven't, I don't often, I sometimes do, if, like, it's slow, I'll call around some editors that I work with and ask them if they have anything. But, uh, and I still do that with comics all the time, but, um, a lot of the books, it'll be just them emailing me, and then I just do it at home. And with uh, the Batman files came about because I did the Batman Vault first, um, which which was that. <laughs> That's my book. other favorite. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Man. Well, that one I co-wrote with Bob Greenberger, who was the guy that originally hired me as an intern. And I don't think he ever realized that I was the same kid he hired. <laughs> like a decade later. Do I know you? <laughs> yeah, he might still not know that. Maybe listen to the podcast. But um, yeah, so I uh, I wrote. Uh, they, that was like, I'd been writing some books about, I think I wrote the Inside the World of uh, Wolverine or whatever for DK and a couple, and maybe an Iron, I'm not sure if I had the Iron Man book done by that point, but I'd been writing all these Marvel books and DC was what, I was like, you know, I don't have to do any research for a Batman book, like, I, I just know everything Batman. So I, um, they contacted me about the, um, the Batman vault and I co-wrote that and essentially I just wrote kind of a new draft over what was there and, uh. I did that, though, but I was like, oh, no, I'm getting married. And so I had to write that the week before our wedding and the week after our honeymoon. So, like, once I saw I could do it that fast and, you know, have my facts straight and everything, that's when they, they got, um, they, uh, when Andrews McMeal, um, the um, Batman Files publisher, they contacted DC and said, hey, we want to write this, we want to do, like, a faux journal book, you know, from Batman's perspective. Hmm. And so they contacted me on that one, which I was very happy because, I got to write in Batman's voice, which is a lot of fun, but also very depressing if you do it for like six months of your life. So it's like, it's like, man, nothing nice, nothing good happens to this guy. Like, every relationship is like death, you know. It's like, a, so that, yeah, there was a that was an interesting book, but yeah, it was all done here. Um, for that one, they sent me a lot of books, but I think they were just being polite at that point because I'm like, I, I think I have everything, you know, that I need for this. <laughs> I think they just felt bad because you know I wasn't asking for any material. But that was the old. Um, that was before DC became DC Entertainment. Now that it's DC Entertainment, we tend not to get as many free free comics or books, which is sad. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they got they got so many people all over the the globe <laughs> working for oh, yeah. from their from their kitchens and living rooms. <laughs> and like, well, I did a I did the book called the the Superman Files for the same publisher um, a couple years after Batman Files. And it was interesting because they'd made the switch to DC Entertainment at that point. And there was, before when we did the Batman Files, there was just me and my um, designer and then the editor of DC, and that was it. And then with Superman Files, we had, we had like eight different people looking at it and sending us notes and things. So it kind of got more complicated and slowed things down a bit. But uh, it was also because they just made the switch to the New 52, and they wanted to make sure we were kind of including that and including the old stuff. And it was kind of tricky to do at that point. I think the book would be a lot easier to do now that they have two Supermans floating around, or I guess the new Superman, which is the old one. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's so. great. It's great work. Um, go just to step back one second to the to the Batman vault. Um, just actually to ask you a question: what, whose idea was it to to make it so I guess interactive with the? I think it comes with a mask and the pop up animated series page and whatnot. Because uh, oh yeah, 
Well, that was actually they had the format in place before. They they had done a Marvel Vault and a DC Vault, and then so I guess that was kind of they were just kind of selling that that format a little bit more, and they realized they could do a Batman focused one. So I'm not sure if that was DC or uh, Marvel or that company which was running press was the people that packaged it all. Mm. Or actually, yeah, it was Becker and Mayer that packaged it, but Running Press was the publisher. Oh, okay. so it was probably some meeting they decided, oh, we want to do this format of book, and and then we just kind of, I just kind of came in late in the game for that one. Mm-hmm. Whereas I had to write it all and then check my facts after, make sure I was right with everything. But it was just kind of like all, almost like stream of consciousness writing, just like writing everything <laughs> like really fast, and then going back and making check my work, making sure everything was correct. I think I only, I think there's only. Maybe one fact that I got wrong in that book that still bugs me. But <laughs> you're not going to point it out, are you? <laughs> no, there was, I think I said that Batman Forever was the highest grossing film of its year, and I don't think it was um, later on. Which and that's, that kind of stuff really bothers me. I'm like, oh no, why did I put that in? <laughs> oh, 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 of its year, you mean the year that mm-hmm. it came out? Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I think it was either that or Batman and Robin. I got one of them wrong, mm. but. I don't think anyone will mind a, a yeah. wrong in the, on the Schumacher verse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I did get to make fun of those movies, which I was happy about in that book where I said, um, I was the, I forget who sang the song. It was might have been R. Kelly where he sang that Gotham City song where he's like saying, a city of justice, a city of love. And I was like, and I quoted that, and then I said, um, when he wrote this song, he had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to get away with that right now. Like, But this was, you know, a couple years ago before they had so many people looking at it. But I think it's kind of, uh, when you do a books for DC and in Marvel um, too now, it's really hard to get away with saying anything negative, even about something that was... Um, regarded as negative at the time, like Batman and Robin. We had said, I think we, we even back then we got a, um, we were trying to say something like, uh, Warner Brothers was finding it hard to get rid of a bomb. It was a play on the Adam West joke of, he has that big bomb in the Batman movie. He's like, some days you can't get rid of a bomb. So we were saying that about the movie Batman and Robin. And I think that was nixed. And they were saying, like, and, and I, remember, I remember Bob Greenberger was like, he's like, Matt's doing a good play on words here. Like, nope. so, uh, uh, on, on his episode, uh, John tore into the new Ninja Turtles movies pretty hard. Oh, did he? I haven't, I need to that. All my buddies all listen to podcasts, but they're artists. I'm like, oh, you guys have so much time to listen to podcasts because you're always drawing <laughs> and listening to you know, something else. But I can't do, I don't even listen to music when I write. I kind of, uh, I tune it all out until one of my daughters comes downstairs and makes up an excuse to interrupt. <laughs> Do you ever bounce ideas off them or <laughs> watch what they're making up while they're playing with their action figures and be like, that'd be an awesome story. Oh, well, yeah. I try, like, uh, actually we, I was playing, um, we have a giant bat cave down here in my office. It's one, it's like, just came out from Mattel. It's like this hundred dollar, like four foot, you know, giant bat cave that I got. Yeah. <laughs> And so they have that, and the, uh, my daughters are into the DC superhero girls. So we have that little castle tour, or the high school, I guess, that they have. And so we had a, we, just this Saturday, we were spending the day, like the, uh, the morning, doing some, like, we're, we're playing Batman and Superman meet the, the DC superhero girls. And my daughter just instinctively was, um, and I was like, okay, because she wanted to use the kryptonite jail it comes with. And she was like, okay, well, Batman and Superman are fighting. And I was like, all right. And she's like, well, they need a reason to fight. And she starts talking, and she has a little. She gets a little toy Starro and has it control Superman. And she and I was like, that's already a better reason for them to fight than the Batman versus Superman movie. Like that's a natural motivation now. So it's like, you are six, you know. <laughs> like, but she knew there had to be some sort of crazy circumstance for Batman and Superman to fight. So I was, uh, 
that made me proud. She's already writing comics, so it's good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, her first comic will debut, I think, at the Asheville Comic Con the next time they have one. She's going to share my table with me. She she wrote a comic called, um, oh, I forget, two, it's somebody uh, like like John and Marsha's super baby or something like that. <laughs> so it's about oh, really? two people that meet, and then the, the racy part is they kiss. And then they have a baby, oh. <laughs> and the baby has superpowers. And the best part of the comic is at the end, it's a close-up on the baby. The baby goes and fights crime, and the parents don't know it. And at the end, there's a close-up on the baby, and it's like winking at the camera. I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> but all done through stick figures. <laughs> she wrote that herself? Oh, yeah, she did it all. She she disappears to her desk and draws a, a you know a comic for a couple days. And I promised her we're going to Xerox it. Maybe I'll try to letter it or something. So- People can read it because it's a little hard to read. <laughs> She's still learning how to print. So. Geez, Dad, I'm not trying to eat dinner. I'm trying to reach my deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> She's very serious about it. I'll be like, oh, okay, we're going to watch a cartoon. And She's like, okay, I'm drawing. I'll come later. Like, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but meanwhile, her, her sister is completely different. She just wants to watch uh, Thundercats. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we introduced him to the Retro Thundercats. That was the other property that was big for me as a kid, which I'd still love to write. Um, but uh, now they like my my three year old. Whenever we watch it, we watch an episode, and my three year old runs around the couch for about five minutes, yelling that she's Chitara, and then no one can catch her. <laughs> and then she gets really mad if you do catch her. So we just let it alone. Just like keep running. Okay, Chitara, good job. What about a Thundercats Turtles crossover? Yeah, that would be good for Ooh. me. <laughs> How about a Thundercats like Catwoman uh, crossover? Yeah, or like a Justice League, because they're not really doing uh, what Power Rangers Justice League right now. So yeah. I'm hoping I can get someone to let me write Thundercats so I can cross them all. It's after that, it's only Dick Tracy I have to write, and I'm done. You know, fulfilling the uh, the wishes of childhood Matt. Dude, a, a Dick Tracy Batman crossover, two detectives. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, well, with I, Rorschach. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> The problem is Dick Tracy, his rights are so tied up by the um, the company that owns him. I think it's the Chicago Tribune or something. Oh, wow. But they um, at one point, um, IDW tried to make a comic. This was years years before I started working for them. And they actually were even going to get Bendis to write Dick Tracy. And it never oh, happened. Wow. It was, well, you uh, got to deal with them in deep dish pizzas. Yeah. Get them going. <laughs> Try to trick. <laughs> I'm sure that'll work. I'll give you 50 deep dish yeah. pizzas. <laughs> So speaking of writers, and you know now that your daughter's writing and it's just in the family, what um who are some comic writers that have inspired you over the years, or to become a comic writer over time and evolve? Uh, well, I started. Uh, I mean, I guess the, most of them fall in the Batman category. Like I was big into Batman Year One. I read that, you know, it, mm-hmm. right when I first started reading comics. That was a good thing. When I first started reading comics, they just started doing a couple trade paperbacks. Like they're the first trade paperbacks, I think they were had out there was like death in the family and year one and year two. And I think there was a dark Knight and dark Knight returns. So I read all those and those were like huge for me. And then, but I think probably the, the biggest impact was from Denny O'Neill. Yeah. Cause I would, I would just read, well, it was amazing to me cause he was the guy in charge of Batman, you know, he was the main editor there and I loved his from the den editorials he'd write. Yeah. And then when I find out all this history about him, that he's been around for a long time and he used to write, you know, and then he, and then he was editing and writing like Azrael for, you know, 100 issues. And so he's always been like a very impressive figure to me. Like I still, uh, I I used to, my, my parents were big into antique shopping and stuff. When I was a kid, I'd go to these, and I'd be bored out of my mind at flea markets. And then I'd find somebody with like a stack of comics for like $5. 
and I'd buy like these 1970s comics that, you know, this was before eBay. So I'd be just, you know, going crazy. Like I just go sit and sit in the car and read for like hours where they're doing whatever. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. So I got a, a real appreciation for uh, the, especially the bronze age of comics. That's what I do when my wife drags me out to this place in East Texas called Canton. There's this one dealer. This is like, uh, I don't know, dude, it's it's nuts. But there's this one dealer guy that has like all these books. And uh, I'll go out there and, you know, get all these old issues for like a dollar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I have a, a huge comic collection. I've read so much because, you know, I write these encyclopedias and things. So I have to know all this stuff. But I got the majority of it from, I, we used to go from, I grew up in Ohio, and we'd drive three hours to the Michigan Comic Con. It was the only one around, uh, the Motor City Comic Con. And it was a good show back then. They used to have, I met a lot of uh, big names. And, um, but the best part was on Sundays when they have their sales for the comics. And I remember one guy had all his comics were a dollar to start with, and they were 85% off. And I was like, I'm not great at math, but these are 15 cents. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's nuts. And so I was buying like I, I would buy, I'd buy like hundreds of comics. Like that's how I bought all of like the Giffen, Dematis, Justice League and Justice League Europe and all this stuff. I remember just stocking up like for the year, you know, like, at these shows. And that's yeah, that's how I uh, really amassed a lot of my comics. And then I did think when I was younger, I, I read all of Who's Who and I was at the, pro the perfect age to just retain it all. So that, that helped a lot, too. Like, even when I was interning at D.C., I remember I would get asked by some of my editors, like, now, like, like factoids about Aquaman or something. And I, like, I remember them saying, like, now, can Aquaman, is it still, can he only be out of water for an hour still? And I'd be like, well, there's this Peter David story where, you know, <laughs> just, uh, so I think that's how I kind of got into their good graces, too, where I just kind of knew everything about D.C. at that point. And then I had to make a conscious effort to know everything about Marvel, which was harder because I was older. I didn't retain everything. Like, I read a lot of Spider-Man as a kid, but I didn't really, re you know, read the whole Marvel Universe as much. And now now I've kind of, I still haven't caught up to how much I've read at DC, but I've had a lot of intensive years of just reading tons of Marvel. <laughs> Do you read, like, current stuff, stuff that comes out, like, on the shelves every Wednesday as well? Do you keep up with everything? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I still... Well, I still get uh, DC books and issues, and I get more... I'll, I'll do Marvel and trade paperbacks because I don't have, like, that nostalgia issue uh, collection for them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been... Um, I'm liking uh, Tom King's Batman a lot. He, it's really good. And, uh, uh, yeah. and uh, there's... Yeah, I still read uh, most of I'm just kind of way behind where I'll, I'll get a new project. Like, I just did a Spider-Man update for uh, DK, and so I had to only read Spider-Man for a while. And I hadn't read Spider-Man since, like, 2012 or something, so I had to go back and read, like... You know, four years of Spider-Man <laughs> now, and then everything which, was, which was eight, which was eight number ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah there was a lot in between. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so now I'm kind of catching up with uh, the. I mean, now I'm I, there's very few books I'm I'm still up to date with every week, but I'm trying to get more. You know, I'm trying to catch up, and then until the next project starts, and <laughs> I have to stop reading what I want to read, that kind of thing. So, have you ever had one of those moments when you're you're planning a story and all this and then you'll read something and you'll be like damn they oh yeah all the time <laughs> <laughs> that was my idea <laughs> i think there's a movie coming out that i wrote which i didn't write at all which sucks but <laughs> i was working on this um comic series with an artist named mk perker and we were we I, we didn't pitch it to image because he got a job right before we were about to pitch it and it was about um two people that were unfrozen on a spaceship thing and it was like this really dark story, which I loved. And now I think I'm 
pretty sure the Chris Pratt's new movie is that. But yeah. <laughs> at the time, at, uh, like a couple years ago, Keanu Reeves was attached to a project that was similar. And so it's just kind of like it's it's similar enough that it's like I can't do my story, so it's awful. But <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen multiple times where I'll just be like, oh, really? This is the story they're doing? Awesome. <laughs> but it also makes me kind of think, well, maybe that story was too obvious if someone else got it, you know. But uh, actually, the worst case of it was I did a series for Wildstorm, and it involved uh, uh, frozen time where time is frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not a new concept. That wasn't actually um, – uh, the main, I mean, that was the backdrop of the series, but it wasn't, you know, it's been around, Zach Morris used to do it in Saved by the Bell, you know, like people pause time. <laughs> but so I sold the series to Wildstorm, and I was incredibly proud of it. It was my first real creator-owned series, and this was about seven years ago or so. And uh, we got approved for six issues. as We were going to do it as a, a miniseries and then do a season two if it was popular enough. And that was, there was a brief period where Wildstorm was doing a lot of creator-owned books. And then... Um, and then my artist did not. He decided he didn't draw. Didn't want to draw anything. So he didn't draw a single page for a year. And we had we had signed him on as a co-creator for the series. So now we had to have all this legal stuff to happen to fire him off the book. So we went through all the legal stuff and we fired him off the book. And this, this is over a year later at this point. And then in the meantime, then Wildstorm folds and joins DC completely. So there's no more Wildstorm imprint. So I'm like, oh, great, what are we going to do with this? My editor's like, no, no, we'll find a home for it. And then my editor quit DC. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. So then it took me several more months or years or whatever, and I finally got the rights back to it. But in, in, in the meantime, Sex Criminals came out, which is incredibly popular about freezing time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great. And so I had an, um, actually Boom Comics was really interested in it several years ago because I was telling him about it. He's like, oh, that's a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, well, Wildstorm has it right now. But then when I got when I got the rights back, I went right to Boom and I said, hey, you guys want to do this? And the editor was like, yes, we want to do it. He approved it right away. But then the higher-ups were like, well, it's it's similar to Sex Criminals. And so that series is still still in my computer, already written. <laughs> Which, I mean, I got paid for it from D.C., so that, that part's good. But it's one of those very personal uh, things that I would still like to get out there because, as I said, you know, like, that's like saying if you know when Kirkman came with Walking Dead and they're they're like oh no there's been zombies before you know it's not the yeah. it's not the concept it's it's how you explore that world yeah. that would be that's so different about this series mm-hmm. so I probably have to sit on it for another ten years and then we can do it <laughs> <laughs> Batman TMNT how how did that come to be uh, well that was just um, I've been doing a lot of um, the the last two series that tie in with the turtles on the current well the 2012 cartoon from Nickelodeon right. So I think it was, what, new animated adventures and then amazing adventures once that, they, they kind of ended that and just kind of started over again. Mm. So I've been, um, I started writing Turtles because I was writing Beware the Batman, um, which is like the shortest, I think it was, we might have had the record at that point for the shortest on, ongoing comic <laughs> for Batman <laughs> like, ever. I, I, I was so sad, I think it was five issues and I, I oh, loved six. it. Yeah, we made six issues and that was it. <laughs> oh, six issues and I loved I loved that and I loved the um, the cartoon as well and it was such a well, shame. Yeah. It's just such a shame that I got kanked, I think. Uh, well, yeah, and with the comic, they couldn't do it if there was no series and Cartoon Network said, you know, it was a good slot for this, it was like 3.30 in the morning or whatever they moved it to. <laughs> It was nuts. The old, old kids are yeah, no one watched time. it, you know. And, <laughs> and so, um, and I think another thing that hurt it was that Mattel decided not to do a toy line of it. Mm. And so that's kind of that always generates sales for animated series, you know. And so, so yeah, they, they, I had tried to get that book for about a year before the series came out because I used to write um, for Batman Strikes and you know, and some of these other kids uh, are all ages books. And I was, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be the only writer of Beware the Batman. 
And again, it was I was talking to that editor, and he was all aboard. It was the same editor that quit, you see? <laughs> and so mm. he quit in the meantime. And then just by circumstance, um, his boss had read my the, the pitch for that Frozen Time series and had liked it, I guess. And he had, he had uh, emailed the editor, who was Christy Quinn at the time, and suggested that she could uh, hire me for an issue of Beware of the Batman. So it just kind of worked out. Then I, so I ended up doing two issues of that. Which uh, which I love doing because they um, I did this Alfred story for that series which they let me let me kind of play with format which was fun it was um, where the whole thing takes place from Alfred's perspective so it's all like a first person mm. video um, game a first person shooter video game and you only see like Alfred's hands you only see what Alfred sees the whole story and I was really happy that they let me do that I actually did it again later with Turtles we did it for all four different um, Turtles perspectives you only see what they're what they're seeing. As they're like playing tag or whatever, and then things escalate. But uh, yeah, so I was writing Beware of the Batman. I just kind of called IDW or emailed IDW, uh, just a cold email, and said, I, on a whim, like, you know, I've always wanted to write Ninja Turtles, you know. And he, um, my editor, uh, Bobby Kernow, who was on, I think he was on vacation at the time. He's like, I'm on vacation, but he's like, yeah, this sounds good. Email me some pitches when I get back or something. And then I just kind of emailed him pitches, and I started writing for that book. Um, and then I would always, I'd be writing my books. Um, for the focus of my income because you know I have to write these big books for that but then whenever I had time in between books I'd pitch him a lot of turtle stuff and we do go from there and so by the time the second series they're ending the second uh, the amazing adventures they're ending that one um, at issue 14 and he had asked me and a couple other guys he's like I'm asking you but I'm also asking a couple other people to pitch for it because I don't know what DC's gonna like so you know he told me about this I pitched it and uh, we uh, they liked one of my pitches they wanted me to expand some he, um the editor had some questions about some of the the DC editor uh, Jim Chadwick had some questions about kind of like what uh, how the technology was going to work from going from world to world and that kind of thing. So, and then I just fleshed it out. I just wrote a bigger outline, and everybody seemed to like it. And so then I got the job and been doing it. And hopefully, I'm almost done. So. <laughs> well, just to step back uh, real quick, once did, were you um, did you watch any of the new TMNT Nickelodeon cartoons while writing the uh, the previous? Uh, yeah, well, I actually, um, I'd started watching it um, with my daughter a couple years earlier. Yeah. And I remember when it first came out, I was like, oh, they should do a, they should be doing a tie-in comic for this. But I think IDW was pretty new at having Turtles at that point. Right. And yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, it's probably not going to fly. And I remember wanting to pitch it, never even pitched it. And I just watched it with my daughter and we both liked it. Because this gen, like, I was I I loved the turtles as a kid, but the show doesn't really hold up as much. No, not at all. No, but the new show is legitimately funny. Like I've laughed several times. Oh, like, it's really uh, well written. Yeah. Yeah, and and the, I like the style of it. Like I'm not that big into 3D animation, but the fact they do like really cool like 2D combos with it and stuff, and <laughs> yeah. it's really it's really a well done series. So I got into the show and was watching it with my daughter, and then and then I just kind of like um, I did I I stopped for a little bit and then I just kind of. Uh, binge watched it before I was pitching originally for the series, so I've seen every episode, except for maybe the last couple couple weeks. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I, I was I was very update when I uh, when I was writing this. But this this series actually takes place about um, before the season where the turtles go into space. Oh, uh, before the whole world like implodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <that was> <laughs> cool. it was a little too hard because now they're doing such drastic changes with Shredder. We had to kind of ignore all that and use the like because we, we wanted to just use traditional Shredder and things for the series. So it was. One of those things, like okay, well, let's uh, let's just act. You know, the other stuff takes place later because I mean, it could take place any time because the Batman the animated series is you know long since off the air. So it's kind of uh, just where we thought it would fit best. Mm. 
and uh, yeah. it, it's really Batman TMNT Adventures has been so f- fun so oh. far. It, it's just to laugh, laugh out like legit, laugh out loud, funny. Oh well, the best gag is in the next issue, which comes out <laughs> I think Wednesday. John did an amazing. There's a, it's my favorite visual gag so far. <laughs> but, there's this particular page where he just knocked it out, so I was I was very happy. <laughs> uh, the biggest one for me with issue two right now is um when Mikey has his hand through the portal and he's like I feel something. He's, yeah. it's, it's a <laughs> it's awesome. a it's a gargoyle I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just see his face on Batman. He's like a really angry gargoyle, and then boom. It gets so, yeah, it's a great bit. <laughs> I mean, well, John just executed it perfect, so it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, but I was I was worried about that page, and then you know, he was like, nope, this is better than I want. <laughs> like, it's just, it's great to see the way you, the the way you're writing this though is so well because you're you, you're doing the TMNT universe justice, and you're definitely doing the Batman the Animated Series world justice, and to merge these two two worlds, the fusion is just it just works so well as well as far as the writing, and then John's. You know, obviously, is already learned. He knows how to do it visually. I got very uh, excited, especially too, when they let me call Clayface Mudbutt. <laughs> that was yes, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I remember just thinking because you know Mikey renames characters all the time on the show, or he names all the yeah, villains. The nickname. And I was like, Mikey would be naming these guys, and then I just wrote Mudbutt on a win. I'm like, these these gonna they're gonna can that right away. And then, and I remember I went up and told my daughters that, and they both just started like laughing hysterically. I'm like, all right, well, this is what we have to go with. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah they were that's also the difference in um that would have i would have never been allowed to do that in one of the books like the dc books are just a completely different animal and they would never allow me to do that so it's like just even weird little things like that like in the books like we can't even call it gotham we have to call it gotham city every time because they have these very strict style guides hmm. which is weird like especially if you're writing in batman's voice and you're trying to make it sound natural and he's like oh, i go to or you know he's like oh it's dark in gotham city like everything, like, <laughs> like every time you have to call it that. So there's a lot of weird rules. That's why I think I've just been like, you know, trained to not try things like that. But, but luckily they let me uh, sneak that in. So that's nice. <laughs> do, do you think they're a little more lenient because you have to go through three different editors being IDW and uh, Nickelodeon as well? Like, uh, Yeah, I think I actually thought it was going to be a lot uh, harder than it was to go through that many with that many, you know, cooks in the kitchen. But I think everybody's kind of on the same page, which is nice, where the DC's really happy with, you know, how we're handling their characters and Nick seems to be really happy with them and then and Bobby's just mostly concerned, you know, the editor IDW is mostly concerned about telling a good story and that's what, you know, I want to do too. So I'm, I, ne- I I never I hate it when I get editorial interference where it's about like things that don't make the story better, but like if it's some, if they're suggesting like, "Hey, this this page maybe needs a little punching up with the dialogue or something should be better, you know, on this page." You know, if it's for the sake of the story, I'm, I, I, it's always, I'm always still like, oh, I got to do it again. But I'm at least, you know, I'm, I'm happy to actually make the, those kind of changes where I'm like, yeah, it's for the, you know, I want to make the story as good as possible. Rather than, I've worked with some editors in the past who will remain nameless that have just wanted to kind of put their stamp on the comics. Yeah. And it's like, that's fine if you're, you know, if this is your comic, but it's like, this is all, all of our comic, you know, it shouldn't. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Like if you're changing things just arbitrarily, just because that's the way you would have done them as a writer, then you probably should have should be the writer. Like you know, if you're changing something to make the story better, to make you know, then that's good. You know, that's what editors are supposed to do. They're supposed to keep the writer and artist giving them their best stuff constantly. You know, and luckily, I think we're I'm working with a good editorial team right now, which we're we're doing that. So <laughs> at least in my opinion, I think they're give, they're getting some better stuff out of me. And the feedback's been pretty good too. I mean, Robin, I mean, it's been selling out everywhere, hasn't it? 
Oh yeah, we sold out of issue it, one first before two weeks before it came out. And then yeah, they <laughs> went to second printing before. Yeah. And so that's pretty good. I'm not. I mean, I'm hoping issue two will do the. I think the Batman Turtles, you know, sold the first issue, and so I'm hoping that you know John and I have sold people on it enough that they'll buy the second issue. That's you know, it's like the Batman Turtles is very hard to turn down. You know, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I was like really worried about getting this pitch. You know, once they asked me to pitch for it. I was like, you know, if I don't get this series, I'm going to have to read the person who gets the series comic, and I'm going to be very upset the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it's like the best comic I've ever read, I'll still be like, ah, oh, I should have done it. <laughs> yeah. You know what else is awesome is you get to write classic Harley Quinn. You know? Oh, yeah. You can that's... only really do that in the animated series format because that's where she originated from. So, you know, in a world where we need a lot better... Harley Quinn writing. This is definitely a breath of fresh air. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Bring Harley back to Gotham. <laughs> Gotham City. <laughs> my first actual, um, anything published in a comic, my first thing published in a comic was about Harley. I wrote a letter to Batman Adventures. So if you, you can dig it up, there's a letter of me asking, did Harley, was Harley Quinn invented just for the comics or was she, I mean, invented for the series or was she something from the comics? And I already knew as a kid, cause I was this little obsessed kid. I knew the answer to that. I just wanted to be published in the letter. Damn. <laughs> That's so that was, that was my first I thing. Wanna, and then, I just want to ask a question comic. that I know they'll want to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want, I just want everyone to see me ask this question. For some <laughs> but yeah. And then I actually got, as an intern, I actually drew in um, an Aquaman comic. Because they they didn't want to send it down to production. It was like at the end of the day. And they were like, you go to art school. The artist forgot to draw necklaces on Mara and all these panels. Draw them. And I was like, ah. <laughs> like they handed me like a really fat Sharpie. And I was like, oh, no, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> but, yeah, my necklaces are in Aquaman issue 69. So <laughs> in a collector's issue right there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded great. Every, everyone still gets a copy of that for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is Selena Kyle. Some call me Catwoman. And when I'm not pulling the perfect crime snatching diamonds, along with Batman's heart all over Gotham, I'm curled up next to my kitty and listening to Bat Force Radio. Now, I wanted to ask you, did the uh, the Arkham verse history book that big hardcover now are, are you a big gamer guy or did you just delve into the arkham games to to get all the info you needed on that what was what's uh, yeah, your I, situation there i would have i mean i'd like to play more games i just can't so like i'm always kind of reading comics i mean you can't really complain about that but still <laughs> it's uh so like spare time goes to reading but uh or you know tv shows or something that i'm addicted to but uh yeah i used to the last um, I have we have a PlayStation Three now, and I bought that specifically just for the Blu-ray player and to buy to buy the Arkham games. This was before years before. Um, I think Arkham City had just come out when I was I was like, oh, I want to try this out. You know, I I remember watching like some YouTube videos of walkthroughs of the first Arkham game. I'm like, this is great. I need to play this. And so I finally went ahead and bought it just to play those games. And then yeah, I got approached. Um, I, I bought I just bought Arkham Origins. I was behind. And, um, like a couple weeks, I was like, I don't have time to play this. You know, I've got, I got kids I got to worry about, you know, I, I can't do this on a good conscience, you know, with all the other stuff I had to do. So, um, I just kind of set it aside. And then I get a call from or an email from DK and they're saying, would you like to write a book about the Arkham games? 
And I was like, well, now I literally have to play this game for work. So it worked out perfectly. Darn. Oh, man. It's a tough job, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I played all those. And then um, I had to write about Arkham Knight before it came out. I still actually never played Arkham Knight because it, it wasn't out when I wrote the book. And I don't have a PlayStation 4. But uh, but they actually flew me to California to go to, like, the Warner Brothers headquarters to kind of watch the game being played. And um, I had to... I. I read the script for it while I was there and that kind of thing where it's like one of those things where you go into a locked room, you're allowed to, you know, uh, uh, bring anything. You can write notes about it, but you can't, you know, take any pictures of it or anything like that. It's like, um, so I read the script for that, which is, I'd never read a video game script before. So I found that just interesting and, you know, from that perspective. But, um, and then, yeah, I just kind of had to write it from there. I had a couple meetings and then I was in California for less than 24 hours, which was hard, but oh, man. <laughs> it was like, I, we had a big layover on the way there too. So mm. I got like four hours of sleep and then went to G, uh, to Warner brothers and then went to visit. I'd never been to the Burbank DC offices. So I went in there to, um, talk to some editors and things and that kind of thing. But yeah, so it was a, uh, it was a whirlwind trip, but that, yeah, that was my only experience with those, uh, with those games at all. And, uh, you know, now I, I mean, I still I love them. I think they're just really well done. But I I still haven't played Arkham Knight, but <laughs> I know exactly what happens. <laughs> Do you think that could possibly lead down a road where you could write a game like how Paul Dini worked with the first couple of Arkham games with? Oh yeah, Fox I mean, after City? especially after seeing like how just similar it is to a movie script, I think it'd be something that I'd love to do. It's I have a friend that works in a lot of video games and things, and it seems like you know a good an interesting, you know, other way to do it. I've also always really wanted to get animation, animation, get into animation writing, which hopefully I'll do one of these days, but it's kind of like starting over in a whole new field where it's, you know, start at the bottom again and kind of go that way. So I'm still trying to trans, uh, do more comic work than book work, but I'm still writing mostly books at this time, Mm. but you know, we'll see. I've got another thing coming. So there'll be some, there's some fun stuff on the horizon, but (laughs) I've been writing a lot of, um, Stuff for this. Um, there's an app called Amazon Rapids now that Amazon just launched. Uh, one of the editors I used to work for, who edited a lot of my um, graphic novels that I did for different companies, uh, for a company called Capstone. Uh, he works at Amazon now, and he's been hiring me to do these stories, which are they're they're children's stories, but they're done for kind of reluctant readers. So kids think they're reading um, a text message. It's all their stories written in the form of text messages, essentially. <laughs> So kids will kind of be like, oh, I'm just reading a text message. I'm not really reading. Where and But the best part about it is they've let me – I can write about any genre. I can write about anything essentially. And, I, you know, I've been doing tons of those and it's, you know, it's just nice. It's when I work on these big um, research projects, you know, these big like encyclopedias things, it's nice to just do something completely creative where I don't have to not even read like a, an, an issue of a comic to get into the characters or anything like that. It's just all, you know, all my characters, which is – which is nice and refreshing. So, and it's been one of the this time of year is normally pretty slow for freelance, especially for books. So, it's nice to have I don't really have to hunt right now for work. I can just keep doing these stories even though my editor over there's probably getting burnt out burnt out on a lot of how, how many I'm turning into them, but <laughs> it's a uh, it, it's 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 been a good experience so far. So, I hope to keep doing those as well. You said you you were interested in writing for animation um Maybe one day you could pitch a new animated series for Batman in Gotham City. <laughs> you know, because oh, yeah. uh, I was I was thinking about it recently, and the trend everyone's a lot of regression reflecting back on that the original animated series and wondering why why we haven't got a new one yet with Batman in Gotham City fighting rogues. Like it would yeah. it would it would be a knock out of the park hit. It just would, and it would, I'm just curious why it 
it, it's been taking so long for them to do another one again. Maybe they just need the right guy to pitch it or something. I don't know. I don't know how that yeah. works. I think they I think they always want to do something drastically different every time they do it, just to kind of you know. Uh, the problem is with Batman too. Is everybody compares every series to Batman the animated series, which is such a high watermark. Like, that's that's where Beware the Batman. Beware the Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's where it had a lot of problems. So. And same with the Batman, because that came pretty soon after, and people were like, "Oh, we're not ready for this," you know. And then by the last couple seasons of that cartoon, people were really starting to enjoy it because yeah. they realized it was kind of a different thing. This is the, it was a younger Batman, you know, with very stylized villains and designs. And so it took people a while because everybody was just like, oh, this isn't Batman anime series. And I'm sure the guys that are working on that are just had to be completely frustrated. Like, we know we're not making that cartoon, you know, <laughs> it's like. And, and that's, so. that's such a shame because it was, it, was it was very well done and it had uh, it displayed, it had a great rogues gallery of the ones that never got that much spotlight, like um, Anarchy, uh, Professor Pig, who was new, oh, were, Magpie, yeah. you know, just. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one, when I heard about the series, it was exactly at my, that's why I wanted to write the tie-in book so much because it was all all minor villains and, you know, um, just just Batman. And I was like, well, minor villains are my favorite things in the world. Like in the Batman files, I wrote about like, you know, Mr. Polka Dot and like all these obscure characters. <laughs> so I'm like, these are, this is my favorite stuff. I really want to, you know, and, but uh, yeah, that's, it, that's why it was such a shame that that series ended so quick before we could really even get into anybody. Like my professor pig issue I did, I did a professor pig cause I was going to do a, Mr. Toad's standalone story after that. We never got to that. So just kind of, <laughs> Professor Big's just by himself in my issue for no reason. <laughs> oh. like, be, being that you were talking about obscure rogues, did you go all the way back to reading like the, the beginning days of Batman, the Golden Age, the Bob Kane, Bill Finger stuff, and whatnot? Have you oh yeah, that? yeah. I've, I've pretty. I think I've read more of probably Batman than any other uh, character. And just I was even as a as a kid, I was reading all the, the when those. Um, DC Archives originally came out. I remember getting those like as they came out, the first couple, and just like even loving that. Even you know, as it, like I don't know what other kid was reading 1940s comics or what. But <laughs> That's so awesome. To it, I was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so just kind of like all eras of Batman. Like I wrote that Batman Visual History, which was a good way of obsessing about the eras that I didn't know as well, what, which is kind of fun. Like some of the 1950s stuff. Like I didn't know, I wasn't aware there was a bat train until I wrote that that book. Right. Yeah. And then now, <laughs> since then, uh, Eagle Moss has done a bat train toy. And like, so yeah, it's we, awesome. I'm hoping we drew attention to it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually used to, I've written for Eagle Moss too a lot. I, um, a lot of those magazines that come with the chess pieces. And, and oh, okay. so I started doing, one of my co-writers works for them too, and puts together edits and puts together the magazines. That automobilia line was amazing because there was so many obscure vehicles from Batman's history that they oh, yeah, they the made yeah. diecast <laughs> models for, and then manuals and blueprints. And who else is doing that? They they're the only ones who made a Dark Knight Returns tank. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah and it's it's nice that. to have them. Like you, you see Batmobiles all over the place that are just on uh, blister packs. You know, just mm -hmm. just on a card with a blister pack over it. Well, you either take it out or hang it up in the in the package. But these come with that dome and everything. And it's just a, a completely different way of being able to display them. Yeah, and I, I really liked it. Like they would, um, he actually said, because I talked about, you know, I tried to collect those at first and I kind of fell off because there's so many. And he was just like, oh, just send me a list of some of the ones you're looking for. So I'm like, 
Well, I sent them like the most obscure ones because you know I like the really weird ones, like the um, the flying bat cave yes. and like, uh, <laughs> like the black widow call, black widow bike from the '66 show. You know, weird, really minor stuff like that. That black widow one's hard it's to great. get now. Now I know why they sent yeah. like 20 of them. So just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. And like I, I was collecting the chess pieces just because I like them. And then I found my co-writer from uh, we did the Spider-Man Chronicle, which is a month by month history of Spider-Man. When when we were doing that, he was like, "Oh, I'm working. You know, I work with Eagle Moss, and I, you know, put together these things." I was like, "I'll I'll do those. I'd love that." So it was just a way of me getting my the chess pieces that I wanted for free, which was great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you shyster. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, uh, that's one of the things too. I've, I've I've been a Batman collector since the Keaton movie, so. I have an insane collection, but it's, uh, ah. that's the, yeah, there's some things I, I, I buy no matter what. So like, I'm really, I love the, um, the wackiness of the little Funko figures now. I've been getting a lot of those. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just started getting into those. Those <laughs> oh, are so addictive. And they don't stop and they're, oh, yeah. they're reasonably priced. So it don't matter. Yeah. So they're like like very obscure, that 50s stuff again. Like they just came out with Negative Batman and like uh, Professor Radium. Like like so all these like 19 like Zebra Batman they just made. So I'm like, oh, this is this is right up my alley. Like, yeah, they, really they, they made Earth, of Earth One Batman and Super Friends Batman. I'm like, who else is making that? So oh, yeah. It's, it's like they got me for that. <laughs> yeah. A, a while back, I decided, well, I, all these Funkos are coming out. It won't be a it, it can't be a problem if I just do the Batman ones. Yeah. Now yeah, I have about fifty of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know whoever yeah. made whoever's behind that is a genius because it, it yeah. must cost less than ten cents to produce these things, and they're just <laughs> it, it's just insane. But it's brilliant at the same time. Well, I think they've got and really good because for such a simplistic style, they've got really good designers over there where they're doing like. For when they do it from a TV show, you automatically know who the character is, and I'm like, they all have the same two dot eyes. How are they doing these good characters? Yeah. <laughs> no, they're doing like Alien and oh yeah, and stuff like Predator that. and well, all they, that. I'm they, like, they have every license, <laughs> every license yeah. you could think of, which is you know, game over. And, <laughs> and now it, they must have felt that they were finally getting to a point that they were going to start exhausting people on them. So now they've started elaborating on the design. So now, you know, there's like the, the Golden Age Batman and things like that that are actually in different poses. Yeah, now. They, they just, they move the arm up like an inch and it's like, oh my God. I, need <laughs> I saw something funny the other week on Instagram. I don't know if it was real or not. It looked pretty real though. It, it, it was a Funko Pop. It's called Piece of Shit. And it's just, it looks like, a piece of shit emoji with gold teeth smiling, and it says, <laughs> like, like, if that's real, then Funko is just really pushing boundaries. <laughs> like, it's cool. <laughs> so you're a big collector. Um, do you have uh, like a Grail piece or like a, a favorite piece? That, like, if the if the house is burning down, you just got your family out of the house. Now you got to go back and get one thing from your collection. What what would it be? Uh, for me, it's probably the uh, the Hot Toys '89 stuff that they've done. <laughs> nice, nice. nice. So I actually have the uh, I have the Hot Toys Batmobile too from the first mo. You know, the '89 movie. Oh, nice. Nice. And I got it for like the a ridiculous price from a seller on Amazon was selling it because it sells for like what seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. And I was like, well, yeah. not buying that. <laughs> and then some guy on um, some uh, he was a Japanese dealer and he was selling it for uh, like it was two hundred and fifty for plus like ten dollars shipping. What? And wow. I was like, oh. and so I bought it from him, and then he canceled it after I bought it. It's like, oh, he's like, oh, I put in wrong number. I think a lot of people were maybe taking him up on it, and he was realizing, oh, no, I'm selling this for too cheap. And so then I, I actually argued it, and he ended up selling it to me because I was like, well, you can't just like, I'm like, if I'm at the grocery store and I buy milk, 
and I leave this, you know, you can't come up to me like, no, sorry, that milk's more expensive now. Here's your money back. Like, that's not how, you know, it works when you're buying things. And he didn't want negative feedback. So I got this giant uh, sofa-sized box that arrived at my house about a couple weeks later. <laughs> oh, man. That's incredible. I was very happy to get that, like, the, the same price. Because, you know, the regular hot toys sell for about 200 250 yeah, So I got the Batmobile for the same price as I got, like, Jack Nicholson Joker. So. Yeah. Nice. Very happy. If you like, if you like sofa-sized boxes, uh, <laughs> did you go pick up that? Uh, did you pick up that animated series Batwing that recently came out? Uh, actually, I did. Um, I wasn't going to get it, and then I ended up getting it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, the so, problem is I have to place to mount it. I want to put. Originally, I remember they were talking about trying to do a wall mount for it. Yeah, um, yeah. See if they could price that out, and I guess they couldn't. But um, yeah, so uh, I have to figure out a way to mount it on the wall because there's just no room otherwise. <laughs> so do you I'm have to hide I'm stuff in your trunk too? <laughs> yeah, I was going to try and get a wire to hang mine. Mm. I think I'm too scared for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. I was going to do it, then I'm like, I, I don't want it to fall on you. <laughs> it falls on you. Oh, hey, those, those points are sharp on the, the main oh, yeah. part of the thing. You know, it stabbed me right in the chest if it falls from the ceiling. Like, uh... Yeah, that's one of the few. I'm collecting that, that, that the Batman animated line from DC Collectibles, and I'm doing the Funkos, and then I do uh, an occasional hot toy, and that's kind of what I've hard down my collecting to right now because the you know daughters I can't spend everything on toys anymore, sadly. Oh. <laughs> they want to eat every day. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason they're always pestering me about food. And stuff. <laughs> they just came out with Mud Butt this week, so you know oh yeah, Mud Butt. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very happy about that one. Yeah, I was really cool. impressed with the likeness on that. I used to um. I know some of the guys that work at DC Collectibles from all my years of going. You know, I used to go down to their offices too and be like, "What toys are coming out?" You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a big, um, I'm actually a big Batman and the Outsiders fan. That was like my first Batman comic I ever read as a kid. Nice. Uh, was an issue of Batman Outsiders, so I love all those characters too, like Metamorpho and Geoforce. And I remember I was drinking with um, Sean, who works over there, and I was saying, "Hey, um, you know, if you guys ever do a Geoforce action figure, I'm going to buy you a beer." And he's like, "You owe me a beer." I was like, what? But we went in there a couple weeks later and they already had the prototypes. And I actually have a Geoforce prototype on my shelf because he was nice enough to give me one. Wow. But uh, yeah, because I'm the only person that cared that there was a Geoforce action figure coming out. So. <laughs> but yeah, that was the, yeah, the only original. Um, I have a couple original pages and they're all from Batman and the Outsiders. Like the original, I have a, above my desk is uh, Alan Davis and Dan Jurgens covers from, uh, from Outsiders and uh, Jim Aparo Geoforce trading card and. Ramona Frayden, uh, 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 Metamorpho sketch. So I have very, uh, <laughs> I'm very much into that. Those guys. It, it, it's so weird. Before you got on, I was just mentioning that I want to read it because I never read it, and they're bringing out the hardcover, yeah, the original. Oh, are they? Uh, next yeah. year, yeah. Early oh. next year. Yeah. They're, they're doing yeah. that in the the Brave and the Bold. They're putting out hardcovers. Well, yeah. I think that um, when I was, I think like. I want to say maybe eighth grade or freshman or something. I remember the Outsider series getting a reboot uh, in the '90s, and I it must have just hit me at the right age because I was I was so into that. I just loved it. Like it had the uh, I think Paul Pelletier was doing the artwork and it was great looking, you know. And Mike Barr, the original writer, was writing it, and I, I was just so into it that I went back and got all the issues, you know, that because I read some Batman the Outsider as a kid, but I read that issue ten, the one that I had like over and over a thousand times, you know, <laughs> like that was. And then I remember buying, that's when I was still new to comics, and I bought the Batman and the Outsiders annual number one, thinking it was the first issue of the series because I didn't understand what an annual was. <laughs> like, and being like disappointed, but at the same time loving that issue. <laughs> and so, But yeah, actually, I would, 
when I bought this original art that I had, it was back before the original art boom because I couldn't afford these pages now. They're, they go for an insane amount of money, you know, any original comic pages. But I, I bought um, six issues or six pages from the first comic book I ever read. I found them on eBay, and they were like $25 each. It was like the Steve Lytle wow. stuff. And it's, they're great. It was all from that issue. Like My goal is to buy the cover for that, that comic one of these days, but I know the person that has it. And he's not selling it. So. Oh, is it Chip Kid? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> now you need to buy him a beer. Maybe like 30 beers. Yeah, that works. So who is your favorite uh, Batman rogue of all time? Uh, oh, I don't know anymore, actually. That's a tough one. It used to be, um, for a long when I was growing up, it was always Ra's al Ghul. Oh, cool. And then that was, that was before really anybody kind of knew. I just knew him from the comics. He wasn't in anything. And then... Once he was an animated series, people started to, you know, figure out who the character was. Mm. But then there was there was a lot. I think I got too much Ra's al Ghul. You know, there was like, you know, when he was in the Batman Begins and stuff, I was kind of like, all right, now he's not obscure anymore. You know, oh. <laughs> so he stopped. He stopped interesting me. Uh, you know, I, I like I like it when the characters have a little less backstory, so you can kind of make up whatever you want, kind of thing. Writing wise, like I did a um, there was a Batman eighty page giant that I got to write a story in, in two thousand ten that I got um. They said, oh, yeah, do you want to write a Batman villain? I'm like, yeah, can I do a really minor one? And it was Mike Marcy editor, and he was like, I don't care, fine. <laughs> it was like, whatever. So I got to do a Calendar Man story for that. And I was very excited about that because I got to do – I kind of got to hint at his origin a little bit, which hadn't been done at that point. And I think now they've given him two different origins so far in the new 52. So it's like – he's, he's a great character. I love Calendar Man. So some people talk shit about him, but uh, who was it? I think with, was it Tom King who – Early in the rebirth era, was it him that uh, wrote that that thing when he was like manipulating seasons or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was in, was like he the was first in that two rebirth issues. issue. It was in the rebirth issue before uh, the new number one actually came out. Oh, yeah. rebirth one shot. Yeah, and I always yeah, thought Calendar Man's so cool because there's so much to still be played with with him and evolve. You know, I think. Yeah, and I thought they. I mean, they did a lot of interesting stuff with him and like the Jeff Loeb stuff. You know, they kind of started to really get, do that tattoo on his head kind of thing, which was fun. But, yeah, yeah I've always just kind of really liked minor characters like that. I also really um, – my favorite character right now to write is the the least interesting – you know, I mean, the, the, the normal answer, which is Joker. And I never was a big Joker fan growing up because he was in so much stuff. I was like, all right, you know, I've, I read Killing Joke. I'm like, I'm never going to write a better Joker story than that. That's like the best story ever. <laughs> like, so it was kind of like one of those things where I kind of lost interest. And then I wrote an issue of Batman Strikes where um, the Riddler uh, was um, being blackmailed essentially by the Joker to do all these clues and stuff. And I got to write Joker in that last scene. And I'm like, oh, I get it. He's just the most fun to write ever. Like, right. it's like you can do all these great gags with him, you know. And I'm here yelling at my uh, computer in my best Mark Hamill voice as I'm writing these scenes and and the you know Batman Turtles <laughs> story. But it's like oh, so. So you write. So you write the same way Paul Dini does. I guess so. <laughs> Act, acting out everything as you're writing it. Yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's nice. exactly what he said too. Yeah. Well, especially people have asked me before what. Um, do I hear Kevin Connor? Do I hear Michael Keaton when I'm writing Batman? And I don't hear any kind of voice with Batman. I think just because I grew up with it, I hear my version of Batman, whatever I've, you know, was in my head as I read all those stories. But Joker's completely different. Joker's always Mark Hamill. Whenever I'm like, whenever I'm writing Joker, it's like, no, nope, yep, that's that's Luke Skywalker's voice coming out again. <laughs> There's no way not to write him in that voice, like for me at least. So it's like yeah. But yeah, I I I've especially I actually added extended two scenes in this uh, Turtles comic 
with more Joker because it was just just for the fact that it was fun. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was having a lot of fun with him, and I ended up at one point I finally did tone myself down and cut out an entire page of script because I was like, no, that doesn't do anything to the story. I was just yeah, I was talking about um, there was this. Um, do you remember the Captain Clown episode of Batman the Animated Series where he gets this big robot? Yeah. Makes no sense because the Joker is spending all this money on this highly advanced robot, and then he just goes and robs a couple, takes a couple necklaces from jewelry stores. <laughs> and I'm like, even as a kid, I was like, why? This is this is a terrible. You're not making any profit, Joker. This is a terrible idea. So I actually had a whole a whole bit with him talking about Captain Clown for a while. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I got to take this out. It doesn't do anything but make me happy. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a vicious, when his clown face came off and you saw the robot, that was like, yeah. that was disturbing, man. Like, it was so good, though. Yeah, they got away with a lot of stuff. In that. Like, I was surprised. I was watching the Holiday Nights episode just two nights ago um, with my daughters. To, I was like, let's watch a Batman Christmas episode. And... And I was surprised that when Bruce, there's a scene where um, it's the part of the story where Harley and Ivy are um, controlling Bruce Wayne through Harley, uh, Ivy's lipstick. And so they're just going on a shopping spree. <laughs> yeah. and, and Bruce Wayne trips and falls into an elevator and Harley actually, she looks down the elevator and she's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And I'm like, I don't think you can say that anymore. Like, I don't think you can actually, because we always have to tone down instead of saying, like, God or something. You have to say, like, you know, gosh, or when are, you know, something else. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, think, yeah, I don't think censors would allow them to do that. You can't even say Christmas anymore. It's like, I, I, I bought yeah. the, the, you know, Christmas with the Joker episode that came out with the figure. It says Holiday Joker on. I'm like, oh, that episode's <laughs> called Christmas with the Joker. It's like, Not anymore. Well, it's it they still say, like, they, they, tell, they tell the episode that each one's from on that little, um catalog i think that one still says christmas yeah but <laughs> yeah the animated series got away with a lot of stuff like they had a lot of sexual innuendos in the animated series. oh yeah there was that roxy rocket episode where they essentially kind of established that she orgasms from her that's why she it's like them. the howard stern uh, movie <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Dude, this, uh, this I'm watching of... that again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off topic, but uh, I was watching. I watched a few episodes today, and uh, I was on season four. And I always like watching the over the edge episode because I always yeah, think yeah, those people nice. seeing that episode for the first time and not knowing what's going on because it starts right off with Gordon and the police chasing Batman and Robin through the cave and shooting at them. And he's showing Bruce Wayne stop, and like, I just imagine people crapping themselves, <laughs> not knowing what's going. What? 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 <laughs> Such a trippy episode. Yeah, yeah. definitely one of the best ones too, for, especially for, uh, uh, New Batman Adventures. I think that pro probably is my favorite mm. for that series. Well, that and I think Mad Love was new. I think Mad Love yeah. was in the New Adventures, even though the comic was in the old style. Mm. Mad Love is classic. Yeah, you got. You need to. A year or two, man, you need to pitch it, bring it back to the, the good old Batman animated days, you know? Okay. Well, we're still trying to try to get a, try to convince DC to do a Batman Adventure series. Like, just like, uh, start the comic over, but uh, I don't know if the higher-ups right. are going to go for it, or it just seems like, I, I don't think they understand the, the level of nostalgia that people oh, have right. this now. It's like, because they're willing to take a chance on, like, Wonder Woman 77 and Batman 66, and it's kind of like, yeah. you know, this is... These these people that watch this as kids are now adults and want to see that again, you know, <laughs> and have money yeah. and, and have maybe, more maybe money. The, maybe the number of people that bought, you know, a uh, uh, hundred fifty dollar Batmobile and a two hundred dollar yeah. Batwing <laughs> will convince them. 
Seriously? Yeah, that's kind of like my point where they're doing that. They're doing a, a, a Funko's doing a line of them, and like uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw some sort of video game thing set in that, or like a Viewmaster. I don't. I didn't understand what it was. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, people <laughs> would freak out over some, you know, Batman animated series stuff getting yeah, brought back. I mean, I kind of thought that they would catch it when they did for the seventy-five years of Batman. They did those shorts, like. I remember, you know, me being at, like, New York Comic Con when we were all standing in the line and they were showing those shorts, like, just, like, it brought back that nostalgia feeling with yeah. Conroy voicing Batman and having that Bruce Tim style artwork and everything. Yep. It, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, really popular for, like, people have realized how good that show was and it hasn't gone away as far, you know, the fans haven't gone away from the show. You know, they're still there. If, if they want to make them, I, I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> you know? yeah, some, yeah. Some, some of the characters in the anime series there has never been a better iteration of them we have mr oh, yeah. freeze's mr freeze origin and that has, sure. has never been better oh yeah yeah especially mr freeze yeah mr. number one with that two, two face was a good big bad harv um they, oh, they did the do a really thing. good did you guys ever read those uh batman annual of two with two face in it um i want to say it was like annual 14 or something it was uh i think uh, andrew helfer wrote it and chris browse drew it and it tied right into batman year one and it's kind of where that whole uh, split personality before Two Face idea started. For uh, and it, it was yeah, that's a fantastic issue too. But uh, I recommend checking that out if you can find it in a back issue bin somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm sure I have it. Is that the one yeah, where we all, I'm sure we all have it? Is that the one yeah. where his face is on the cover, like his face? Oh yeah, it's a big close up on his face. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I read that. That's yeah. really good. And, yeah, I just love that. Like going back, and that's one of those ones that really holds up for me. Going back. There's a couple that really tie into Batman Year One that I love, like the first couple arcs of Legend of the Dark Knight and stuff like that. Just really yes. holds up for me. Oh man, Did yeah. You, you ever read a fa- uh, Faces from? Oh yeah. Oh Batman. man, that was that was brilliant writing, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's the good stuff, man. But he also he really knows how to capture Gotham City really well, which I think would like it came out a lot in that um, Batman and the Monster Man and the Mad Monk those series. Mm-hmm. Like, I love really those. Felt like this Art Deco place we talk about it in the Batman Files a lot because I was like, no, this is, I mean, he nailed Gotham more than anything, you know, and I think that's one thing that the animated series really does well is, you know, this captured Gotham. And I think that's one where Batman, um, Beware the Batman kind of faltered where Gotham was just the kind of look like Chicago, just kind of like a normal mm. city with no real Art Deco or Gothic details. It was just kind of like a, a plain generic city. And I'm like, ah, yeah. You really need that. You really, you know, that's the part that really gets you in, like, those weird red or purple skies. You know, you need that, that feeling of the city. Yeah, it needs to look right. like a gothic cathedral at times. Like, the the designer for uh, the Burden verse, it's just, that. Mm-hmm. that's Gotham City. That is this. Oh, yeah. And, well, he did, um, he did, he designed, actually, the comics, too, after that. Mm. Like, um, we, we used those pages in the Batman Files. Yeah, yeah, the black first. It's like yeah, a he, sketch, he, like. yeah, he did the he did the Gotham the movie version, and then Denny O'Neill hired him to actually do uh, Gotham City for the comic version. And they still use well for the longest time they used his Wayne Tower, and they used his um, uh, like his Gotham City uh, the GCPD headquarters were all from him forever. Mm. And then they kind of like after O'Neill left, they kind of stopped using. You know, the universe wasn't quite as congealed. Like he was very good about. Making it, you know, this is what the Batmobile looks like. You know, you can use your, you know, put your kind of spin on it, but it, this is kind of the basic version. You know, this is what the buildings look like, and I kind of miss that unity a little bit, which I think they're trying to get back to a little bit with the, the rebirth stuff. Yeah, that that Gotham City Police Department's so good—a mix of industrial and postmodern sculpture or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think his concept was that the city never 
knocked anything down, so they just built stuff on top of stuff that was yeah, already there. Yeah, right. And right. That's such a good idea, and it like really looks like you know the even though when you watch the '89 movie, yeah, they look like you know drawings there, you know, like most of those shots, but it still still holds up really well, you know, for um, what is it almost thirty years old here soon? So, <laughs> oh, it's, it's beautiful, especially when you see the Batwing like swerving between skyscrapers during that oh, balloon yeah. scene. It's just <laughs> that's like Gotham City at its finest, man. The kind of stuff I keep trying, you know, to and John's doing a really good job of handling some stuff like that too. But we don't, uh, you know, we haven't got it to do as much with Gotham in this particular series, unfortunately, because the, the, just the, the format of it of everybody going to. Uh, New York City this time. Going back to like the TV show of Gotham, I don't know. I don't even know if, to, if you call it CGI or what, but they add buildings and structures all around the actual city to make it look more of like that, you know, built upon yeah. Gotham. That's what I think that Gotham does really well is the city itself, like which is good because that's the title. But like it's uh, it's one of those where they could have just gone, you know, cheap Law and Order looking city. But there's always like there's always way too much fog coming out of the of the sewer, you know, and like stuff like that's what you need for Gotham City, you know. But um, that show is kind of a mix for me. I don't know why I love watching it, but I do. Like, <laughs> it's a background <laughs> show, isn't it? It's like, pretty it's, brutal. It's so yeah. weird. Like it goes from like sixties <laughs> camp to like all of a sudden, like you know, a character digs their eyeball out with a spoon. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, yeah. I, can't, I can't not watch it. I, I love watching that show. I realize I'm like, all right, I'm not even gonna fake like I like I hate this show. I love watching it. <laughs> part of what I like, part of what I like it for is how timeless they make it feel because everyone has cell phones but they're like flip phones and oh, yeah. all the cars are you know kind of nondescript the, so the cars while are walking like down the, the 70s, street yeah. it could look like it was from the 70s or the 80s or, you know, yeah, that's it, what the you animated series did too. On it. like the animated series all had the first iteration you know had the uh, 1940s looking cars yes. and everybody had black and white tvs and like mm. things like that, that they're just kind of like what time period is this <laughs> like, and that's what yeah 89 burton did that too they're all looking at like black and white monitors and things and like but then they have the very dated like 1980s uh, newscasters uh, scenes and things <laughs> like that it's kind of like what's going on <laughs> but i think i like that like i think one of the problems i have with a lot of um i really like the nolan movies but i think my biggest problem with those is besides batman begins they really don't try to make gotham city gotham as, right. it really is just chicago with a wayne emblem on one of the buildings yeah. and they like they, they even then batman begins they set up you know that um the train system, which looked interesting, they set up the narrows, which are interesting, and then they're just kind of like, "Oh, never mind." You know, we're just doing a city. <laughs> after yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely can tell in Dark Knight. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they did. I don't know why because Bat yeah, Begins was great. That island was awesome. I thought, oh yeah, I thought they did a it good was. job. Yeah. Begins all around had a darker vibe to it, like the city and stuff. Like going back and watching it now, when you go to Dark Knight and stuff, it's like the city's so much more brighter and vibrant, and mm. as opposed to how it was in Begins, it had a really Gotham vibe to it. Yeah. I well, I well, I think part of the... that was because that was kind of a reflection and setup for Harvey Dent in a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I just wish there was a little bit more fantasy as far as into the like. I like. I would like to see like a, a more of a kind of like what Burton did, where it doesn't have to all be completely realistic. You know, there can be right. You know, some uh, you know kind of not not silly things, but more cartoonish or more you know like something you can't just see in a normal like a like a, a, a normal cop TV show or something. It should be it should be weird and different, and that's what and that's what at least I like about Gotham is that they've got that 
you know, that aspect on the show. At least they've got that down. I don't understand why Commissioner Gordon growls everything he says or uh, what <laughs> like Commissioner yet. But like, I feel like he doesn't have a speaking voice. <laughs> like he's always just like, <laughs> and then you know, I can't stand when Fish Mooney talks. I feel like she's one of the. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, 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 show, yeah. But, uh, Fuck! If they ever make a Hot Toys, I'll buy it to burn it. <laughs> <laughs> she she does that same thing that Uma Thurman did as Poison Ivy. Yeah. yeah, everything is really drawn. Everything is said like this. Uh, <laughs> she talks with her hands. It just, oh man. Yeah, I think she's trying to be a 1966 Batman bit. Like she's trying to be, you know, like a Catwoman or something. And I'm like, yeah. this is not like. Does anyone tell her what show she's on yet? Or <laughs> <laughs> she she never watched an episode of it, so she doesn't know she's the only one acting like that. <laughs> she just never refuses to watch it. Just comes in for her scene and like. Oh. Yeah, because I think like guys like Bullock are doing a good job. The actors that play yeah. him, I don't know yeah. if his names, but like yeah. doing well. Yeah, Donald like, Logue, I love him. Yeah, he's, he's and I like man. Riddler and Penguin. I think they're doing good, but it's like but Ben, ben McKenzie's like brutal to watch. He's like Leslie, <laughs> you need to get out of Gotham now. I like the <laughs> girl, the little girl that plays uh, Cat. She's decent. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Michelle fine with that. <laughs> I think it's funny too that like uh, they needed to make a hot Leslie Tompkins. Because it's like, so you know, when you read those Batman comics, you're like, Mel- boy, this would be a much better comic if that old lady was <laughs> not hot. Wow. Like, her I was and thinking about that like, the other day. Ever, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't just get a regular person, but it's like, all right. Now she's I just have her on a Segway. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i think they just like de-aged her in the comics now too i was just reading something well yeah. yesterday with her and she was like uh she's very young looking yeah. and i'm kind of like oh all right <laughs> i don't know if they've exactly decided what they're doing with her yet <laughs> i see episodes of her animated series and i'm like damn you were a dime back in the day <laughs> <laughs> fire up lightning round um, first question, uh, favorite on-screen Batman? Uh, Keaton. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nice. Can't be nostalgia. Pizza, deep dish or thin crust? Uh, for me, thin crust. <laughs> nice. My man. Take that, Trunkler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite go-to karaoke song? Uh, I'm maybe something by Johnny Cash. <laughs> Nice, good choice. That's because you just gotta talk like this. <laughs> That's what I'm. <laughs> do you do any celebrity impersonations? Ah, uh, not really. No, <laughs> sorry. That's a new one, Grams. <laughs> well, I, I just got to thinking about that. I, I actually. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted John uh, Summer Via to do one, and then I, it slipped my mind. I, I sent him a message after we got done and said, I've got some more questions, so when you come back, I want you to <laughs> do that. Because that guy is funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is funny. Yeah, he What's your favorite type of M&M's? Mm. <laughs> uh, probably peanut. Nice. Sorry, LPC. Yep. Yeah. That's a win for me. <laughs> so, you live in North, is it North Carolina? Uh, yeah, a town called Asheville. It's up in the mountains. It's like this, uh, uh, it's a nice little little town. We've got a good art scene and stuff. It's very similar to uh, like Park Slope, Brooklyn. Really? Where, yeah, I used to live in Park Slope for a while, so we're kind of looking for some place like that. And it's got a good vibe like that, which we like. A lot of uh, parents about, you know, our age with kids about our age kind of thing. And <laughs> Yeah, Park Slope's filled with 
parents yeah. and young kids. He's seventh dad. We were in Park Slope till my wife had our first daughter, and then we were kind of like, yeah, we can't do strollers upstairs and on subways. It's awful. So <laughs> we got to get out of here. Who's your favorite turtle? Uh, it, I guess it depends. For that, it depends on the series. Like, I like Leo right now in the current one, but the 80s cartoon, I liked Raph. And the comics... Uh, it's probably a toss-up between Leo and Raph. I think I go back and forth. My daughters are just all about Michelangelo. <laughs> oh, See, Donnie just, never uh, gets any love, man. No one uh, likes Donnie. I love Donnie. Well, they used to like Donnie because, based just solely on his headband color. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to make a lot of scenes for everybody in this particular series, too, to kind of kind of even it out a little bit. So Donnie has a, little, a lot of scenes, but most of them are he's kind of just like, you know, obsessing over Batgirl. April's going to be pissed, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of fun to do. Like we had some, uh, we actually, I just had to do some changes for issue three oh. because um, they th- um, thought heavy, I was implying huh? something about, um, you know, the, the Batman animated movie, the killing joke that just came out where yeah. there was, uh, oh. there was a Batman, a Batman Batgirl relationship in that. And they thought one of my jokes was geared towards that. I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about that, yeah. but all right. <laughs> so I changed the joke that they're, they thought might, you know, have some sort of uh, reference to that. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I, I ended up liking the, the replacement joke better. So, <laughs> but it's all, uh, it's very much like just Donnie awkwardly trying to flirt with Batgirl whenever he can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed the title cards that he's doing. Um, each each issue opens where the credit instead of just a blank credit page like normal would be there. We've um, I convinced them into doing a title card like it used to be in front of every episode of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, yeah. That's and awesome. so we start out. The first one uses just John's promotional art for it, and then the second issue he does a little something different. And then he just sent me the third one, which is that he did with um, Snakeweed and Poison Ivy. And I'm, I, I'm at, I emailed him back right away, and I was like, I want a shirt of this. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, he's doing really. I'm I'm very happy that. Because they, they seem like that's one of the ways everybody's been really flexible was where there's not really a budget for that. But they're like, you know, that's a cool idea that fans will like. So we're going to do that. That's awesome. And I was like, yes, awesome. So, <laughs> and they've been very, you know, they were the only thing they really know they said originally was they wanted um, it to be in the original Batman animated series style, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted to do anyway over the new Batman Adventures. Mm-hmm. So because I, I kind of they were like, OK, you can get started. I was like, well, which which Robin are we using? Because that's going to determine the style of everyone in the entire series. And then DC got back and said, okay, we, they want to do Dick Grayson. I was like, all right, then I got to do exactly what we want to do. So <laughs> so would you, um, do you definitely see this coming out as being like an animated series or animated standalone movie? Uh, I mean, I don't think they could ever figure out the rights to do something like that, but that's kind of how I'm writing it, where it's like, uh, <laughs> Trying you know, to kind of like that own... approach they did, you know, originally. But You're almost twisting their arm because it's been so popular and so good, I mean. Yeah, yeah it would yeah. be nice, but I, I, I guess we'll find out. I haven't heard exactly what the sales figures are. I don't know what their print run was. So I'll be very interested. I think that that'll come out in like the next week or so, so I'm, I'm very interested to see exactly how well you know, it's selling. So most most stores are doing pretty well with it. We were, um, I was just in the, with the, the Kevin Smith comic store over Thanksgiving because my wife's from Jersey. And so we, we popped in there and I was talking to them a bit and they seemed, they were saying, telling me that uh, they've had a pretty, a really good response to it. And they, so kind of like, oh, it's going like that universal. It's, it's hard to tell here in our little city, but <laughs> we did a, you know, we had a, we've had some pretty good turnout for it so far. I can't, every time I go in, they have me sign a couple issues at a Comic Envy, my comic store in here. 
Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we got some people that, you know, want, you know, they bought your issue, but they want you to sign it. So like, I'm yeah. signing those for them every time I go in. Nice. That's cool. Man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's doing pretty well at our place, too. I work at a comic shop and uh, oh. between all the people that have it on file and anyone that doesn't, if they're a Batman guy or a Turtles guy, uh, you mention it to them, explain what it is, and almost everyone picks it up. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, the only I've only seen a couple of reviews that weren't the greatest, and they were mostly just comparing us to the other series that came before. Oh, yeah. Or saying uh, like, oh, it kind of repeats as far as the fact that we have to establish a reason for those two universes to meet. But I'm like, well, yeah, we have to do that. Like, right. <laughs> we can't really, you know, they're not, they don't exist in each other's universe. I don't even think the companies would let us do that. First off. And then the Ninja Turtle cartoon has that natural, um, those portals already exist in their continuity where, you know, the Nickelodeon Turtles have gone through these portals into like 80s Turtles universe, you know, and they've, (laughs) it's already there. It's like that, you know, that's naturally there. So we need to, you know, Mm. use that for this one. You know, that was one of the things when they first approached me with this, I was kind of like, okay, how do we do that? Like, and I originally wanted, um, uh, Killer Croc to be in that first issue instead of Clayface, and I was like, "Oh, they did they did that in the other series, so I can't do that." Like, there's all these things I had to kind of change. Right, but uh, yeah, there was. I was going to have originally Mikey looking at Killer Croc, thinking it was Leatherhead when he sees him in the shadows. Oh, that's uh-huh. yeah, and so, but that didn't. Come, we couldn't do that at all. So, uh-huh. I mean, I never even approached. I don't. I never approached the editors with it because I was like, "Nope, too similar. I have to." Like I keep doing things, and I'm like, it's not really similar. But if it's anywhere close to that other territory of that comic, I try to avoid it. So, right. I think we're doing an okay job with it, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so if if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, probably flight. Although I think the whole time, if I wasn't invulnerable, the whole time I'd be flying, I'd just be having a panic attack or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it'd be like I think that'd be the. The most fun. And if uh, if you could bring one person back from the dead to have dinner with and pick their brain, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, uh, you know, maybe Bill Finger. That might be an interesting nice. uh, conversation. Nice. That's cool. awesome. Yeah, great answer. I probably I also would, would like to meet Bob Kane because he was such a character. <laughs> like he was one of those. <laughs> Robin, tell him the story, Robin. <laughs> yeah, the Steranko. Yeah, you got. You oh, got the this. elevator slap. Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love talking about that. Apparently, he was heard around the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love telling that story. What one day I. I recently missed an opportunity to meet Steranko, but one day, even though I know the story, when when I do meet him, I just want to get him to tell me the story just to hear it again. <laughs> I've met him before. He's an interesting guy. I actually was lucky when I was a kid to meet a lot of guys like um, Dick Giordano and Kurt Swan oh, wow. and like Dick Sprang and all these guys, you know, that oh, I was like, oh, you know, I was probably one of the only guys at the show that was super excited, you know, at that age because I was always into older comics too. And so... You know, their lines wouldn't be long, and I could be like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go talk to the guy with the most unfortunate name in comics. Hey, Dick Sprang. But he was a very nice guy. Yeah. My, the most uh, unfortunate my name in comics. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, Dick Giordano and Dick Sprang, man, those are... Well, the big dicks of comics, really. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> big swinging dicks. Those guys are the legends, man. Carmine, who did, you know, uh, Poison Ivy, my two. teacher in college. Yeah, I got to, I, I took two different classes with him, and he, he was he was a character, too. He was, so he was always like, all right, all right. He, like, he would come up, and I, I was, at that point, I realized I just wanted to do, um, to, to do writing, but I was going to finish out my degree. 
And so I was only drawing covers. I wasn't really doing anything sequential at that point. And I bring stuff up to him. He's like, this is great. This is great. You're going to be a great cover man. You're going to be a great cover man. One of those old. I loved his faces. They were so round. and. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he almost reminded me of like, I don't know. I don't want to say Archie, but that style, that old school. Yeah. Cartoon. And he had that. Uh, he figured out the way of just doing different panel layouts that no one had seen before. And he was, and he did it so like the guy could like you bring up a page to him. And be like, all right, this is the page I'm working on or whatever. And he'd take a piece of like, um, you know, some vellum or something and put it over it and just fix every single panel. And it would take him 30 seconds to just show you exactly. And I was like, oh, well, that works like a thousand times better. Like his story, storytelling was just perfect. It was, it was very interesting to see because I got to study with Tim and uh, Klaus Jansen was another one of my teachers. Wow. Oh, wow. Klaus was just so that was probably the best class I took. He did a, um, a comic book class that was just kind of like storytelling. It was really intensive compared to the other classes. You had to do three pages every two weeks, which when you have like eight classes, that's a lot, you know, for just that. And uh, and I remember, yeah. And also, by the way, if you ever meet Klaus, you should ask him to tell you his Christmas story. <laughs> he tells this every the before the holiday break. He tells the story about this guy that used to that he knew that was an inker that murdered his wife. And it's an amazing story. And it, it takes him about 45 minutes to tell the story. He's like, you don't have to come to this class. If you want to come to class, I'm just telling my Christmas story. And so, <laughs> but it's definitely, it's so great. I want to, I don't know why he hasn't made a comic. Maybe he they, has. They, they did a story like that in the ba- Batman Black and White Volume 4. On the, have you read it? Where um, the woman's in jail. Have- she was like an inker. And she she's drawing the page of her like killing, I think, her husband or something like that. It sounds, it just sounds really familiar. That's why. Yeah, well, this, this guy drew the, um, he actually penciled, I think he drew the Crimson Avenger miniseries that came out like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, he uh, he got released out of prison or whatever. And that that's what Klaus ends up in, in the story with like him, like he, he like hears, hey Klaus, and he turns around and there's that murderer guy. Yeah. <laughs> like a bike messenger now. And he's like, what were you how are you doing? He's like, I'm good. I was in prison. He's like, what were you doing in prison? He's just working on my pages, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah, it's a fantastic story. It's like full of this like crazy imagery, and yeah, that was a uh, that's definitely the, probably the most memorable uh, uh, class I had in college. But yeah, I studied under uh, Joe Orlando was one of my teachers. Oh wow! Uh, I used to edit for you know, and he a uh, great artist, and but he died when I was in the middle of my class, like. Um, my freshman year drawing teacher died. In the class? Well, no, over holiday break. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, we didn't see him die. You had to draw that. Over holiday break. And then Joe Orlando died over holiday break my sophomore year. He was my drawing teacher. And so I was really worried about my, my uh, junior year teacher because it was just like, oh, man, <laughs> like I have a terrible track record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like the, well, the whole reason I went to SVA was because Denny O'Neill taught there and so did Walt Simonson. And then the year I started, they both – they both took hiatuses or quit. I think Denny quit and Walt took a hiatus or whatever. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> so, wow. oh no, actually it wasn't the year I started because Walt was still there. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of, do you know an artist named Farrell Dalrymple? Uh, Farrell did the wrenchies recently, but he's did a series called caper for DC a while back. He's done, he just did a doom patrol cover. I think um, he's just like, a, he's more of an, uh, an indie like fine artist uh, cartoonist, but he's incredible. But Farrell was a couple years uh, older than me in school, and he got invited. Like Walt Simonson, every year takes everybody to John Byrne's house on a field trip, hmm. and he takes everybody to his house on a different field trip. But uh, yeah, uh, Farrell actually invited me to John Byrne's house, so I got to go on this uh, trip to John Byrne's house, which was another you know amazing and hilarious uh, thing that Farrell and I one day are going to write a, do a comic on hmm. because it was just while John Byrne was telling him telling everybody lessons, you know, giving everybody an inking lessons, we kind of 
snuck out and kind of explored John Byrne's house. <laughs> so <laughs> it was an interesting experience for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that was the that was the best thing about SVA is that I got all these I got to meet all these teachers and they were actually working in like Joey Cavallari, who was the editor of Superman titles at the time. I took two classes with him and he was a really a really big help as far as, you know, learning how to do a script to, to you know, format a script well and you know, that kind of thing. So wow. yeah, it was it was I don't know if it was worth the money, but it was you know definitely uh, my gateway into comics. So, <laughs> so it, in Klaus's class, did they ever bring up like Dark Knight Returns or any of that stuff? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He, he has a story where he was uh, he and like Frank went on vacation <laughs> in the middle of the of Dark Knight Returns, and I don't think Klaus was ever aware of how groundbreaking this comic that they were doing. To <laughs> I don't think anyone said, was. It's like... Yeah, well, he said Miller called him up or like was freaking out on him on the phone, being like, this is my baby, you're ruining my baby. And they were almost about to hire Bill Sinkavich to do part oh, of like, wow. take over for him. But then he got, you know, he turned the pages in in time and everything was fine, but he said there was a freak out moment. <laughs> but Klaus still says that was, he thinks Dark Knight Returns was when he was at his best and Frank Miller was at his best. He thinks they were at their best together. Mm. So that's why, like, he still feels like it was a high watermark for him, which it obviously is. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, it's, period, I feel like he's the unsung hero of that book in a way oh. because the way he actually kind of help define a lot of the artwork. I mean, I know it's very loose and stuff like that, but if you've seen the gallery edition that came out this year, Oh yeah. You will really appreciate Klaus's, you know, artwork and, and his, his inking. He's really great too. Like it's, and he's also a really good storyteller. Like he did that, um, well, Batman, uh, the prey for legends of dark Knight with Morrison. Wrote. Yeah. And that's really good. It's just like, you know, he doesn't, there's no unnecessary, you know, things in the panels. Everything tells the story. You know, it's very, um, it's very well thought out storytelling. It's not kind of like fly to your pants storytelling kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And and he's been doing some, uh, some variant covers for uh, DK3. And there's even yeah. a, a t-shirt. They put one of his variant covers on a t-shirt recently. Oh, that's, yeah. I'm, I've been reading that series. I've been, I've been enjoying it, but I've, uh, I haven't. You know, seen everything because they they do like what a thousand covers for each one. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, and the, we were probably one of the we we're this is one of the only handful of cover uh, comics that got this many covers. There were like 20, 21 variant covers, and then twenty two if you count the second printing. So for just it, issue one of Turtles, it, it, yeah. yeah, that twenty is a lot. Uh, DK three issue one guy like seventy two variant. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and and we all bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was amazed for this one was because you know like. We're, we're not Frank Miller, you know, <laughs> but it's, I guess it is, um, I think besides the Frank Miller and maybe some, what, all-star Batman or a couple of the other first issue Batman series, mm. I think this is the only other one that's got so many besides uh, the other Batman Turtles. It's just because I think they realize, you know, everybody, you know, Batman is fans that have fans, you know, like my age of Batman is also fans of Turtles. Like, it's like you grew up, you can't kind of, you know, you couldn't avoid both those at that mm. at that time, so... I think they've kind of starting to market it, and yeah, we'll hope we can convince them to do Batman Adventures. <laughs> we'll and, see. And, and and you got to pitch that animated series and uh the animated oh, yeah. and the animated feature for Batman TMNT and and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> just, just, Apparently, just, the just, request the request lines are open. Just, just, <laughs> and then and then we need statues and the own <laughs> figure line. Yeah. 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 I wish I had control of these things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so do we. We have a good network. We chime in as much as we can, but we're telling John some Reva that we just um, we're just gonna push this series as far as we can, you know, like with as far as promoting it and whatnot, because it's uh, 
it's definitely a must read for anyone. It, it, it's cool because it's definitely a comic that literally anyone could pick up and read too. And those and those are some of the best books to read, I think. Nice linear storytelling, good artwork, and uh, just characters we've all come to know and love over the years. Well, I think also, you know, uh, the two books, The Batman Files and Visual History of Batman, are also great references for anyone that's maybe just now wanting to get into reading Batman and, and the Gotham um, you know, mythos, but also tie into older stories that may be out of print or um, they don't make trades of, you know, a lot of the older stuff. So definitely, if you, if you haven't already, I think a new uh, hardcover copy of Batman Files was just is coming out soon. Is that correct? Yeah, it just came out. It's actually half the price of the original, too. Yeah. It's, it's, nice. it, it's smaller, but it's got the exact same information in it. So I wasn't even aware it was coming out so soon until I saw it at Barnes & Noble. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> like, nice. I just had that, a Deadpool history book, and a, um, uh, what the, uh, there's a third. Oh, uh, I just did a Marvel Vault update for that that just came out. So I've got, got a lot of books that are just keep, you know, they always push my, the big hardcover books right now, you know, during the uh, holiday season. So I see them all come out and I was like, I completely forgot that I wrote the Marvel vault actually. Does that that ever freak you out when you see your stuff in a shop or a store? I think it it used to more than now. I'm just kind of used to it where it's like, (laughs) you know, I just don't want to look at it anymore. No big deal. (laughs) For most of them, there's a, Couple like the especially the the two you named the Batman Files and Batman Visual History are probably my two favorite books, and then maybe the Superman Files after that, just because, you know, I really got to go crazy and really dig deep into those series, so that was fun. I keep doing like right now. I just finished a book um, about the Bat Signal itself. Oh, oh it's, really? Oh, that's cool. It was fun. Wow. It's just it's a short book, but it was like it was one of those where they said, "Well, we don't. What are we, we're doing? Uh, it's it comes with like a Bat Signal replica." And they did a little one before, but they said, oh, we want to package it in a bigger deluxe version with a big book. And so, you know, they said, um, would well, you just want to do a, like a history of Batman? I'm like, well, I'll just do a history of the Bat Signal. And they're like, oh, there's not enough information on that. And I was like, well, we could do this and this and this. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like, that was really fun because I got to focus just on this one aspect and look up, you know, like kind of just, oh, this is when the Joker had a Joker signal and there's a cat signal. And the only <laughs> thing they, didn't, they, they made me take out was in... Um, Hitman when they used a dead cat to make uh, when Hitman called Catwoman with a dead cat on a spotlight, <laughs> they, they nixed that and I was like, that's not family friendly enough for our book. <laughs> uh-huh. Have you? Do you know who Matt McNabb is? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I think I done uh, did some stuff for his site like um, interviews and stuff back in the day. He has a book called Batman's Arsenal, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much just talks about all the you know tools and weapons and and everything that. Batman has used over the years, um, and it sounds like this this bat signal book kind of ties in line with with that too. So, yeah, it's fun to write like those very specific books. Like I'm trying to get them to do a one just based on Batman's costumes, where I could just talk about every variant. Oh, you know, yeah. Man, that, that, that would be I was amazing. Thinking about That's that so the bad. other day. <laughs> That would be amazing. Like just the bat suits, a history of the bat suits would be. Yeah, because there's especially because you get into the you know the the funny ones from the fifties, and then you kind of get more of the you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there'd be a lot of material. Oh, there's for that. so much material. You think about all the 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 lance, white lance, and green lantern. Uh, oh yeah. You know, Batman's uh, red sun. Uh, I'm just waiting for them to do all those in Funko form so I can uh, buy them all. <laughs> 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 we. Really appreciate you coming on to talk about all the great work you're doing. Um, and thanks, so, th- man, thanks so much for your 
your work on Batman TMNT. For, for someone like me who ran home after school every day to watch, you know, TMNT and the animated series and to see something like this today, it's like a, a second or third childhood. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the work you and John are doing has just been fun as hell. It's been so fun, so good, and uh, we can't wait to, to see where it keeps growing and pushing, you know, where it's going to push forward to. So, um, thanks. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for reading and for having me on the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, issue issue two uh, for everyone listening is in stores Wednesday, December fourteenth. Hmm. Uh, if you haven't picked up issue one yet, it just went to second print. So if your shop was out of first prints, uh, get out there and grab a second print. Right, and also the director's cut is also for issue one's going to come out. Uh, when was that again, uh, Matt? I I think it's mid February, maybe. Mid February, okay. Yeah, so yeah. we still have a little and, bit. Uh, put that together. And then in March, so. in March you have a Batgirl book coming out. Yes. Uh oh yeah oh I didn't know that was coming out March. Oh, the book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep track of everything. So <laughs> yeah, I wrote a Batman Scholastic book, and now I'm doing a, a back. Uh, well, I wrote a Batgirl one, so I guess yeah, if it's out in March, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make the schedules for these things. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. When Batman team and T wraps up, you and John are gonna have to come back on so we could do um, a recap of this great series as well. So, yeah, uh, sounds good. Hey, Gotham dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.